It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. And hard to believe Week 10 is in the books. I have the Week 10 playoff picture that you can check out to see how these teams around the league are faring reality-wise. And we kick off a new week, as we always do on Locked On Fantasy Football, with Roundup Monday. We'll break down everything we saw on the field Thursday and in Sunday's games. As we wait for Week 10, hard to believe we're that deep into the season. It'll finish tonight with the Dolphins playing the Panthers. So a critical game there. A lot of uh, fantasy players definitely in play in that one. But before we get into that, we have to look at what just happened. A lot of weird things with the Eagles, Chiefs, Raiders. So three pretty good fantasy teams off as well as the Ravens. Just some surprising twists and turns, some low-scoring things we didn't expect, some high-scoring things we didn't expect, and that's just another typical week in the NFL. And we'll start it with what we saw way back on Thursday night. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals 22-16, to so kind of right in the range of this game when you look at the over-under and the spread was exactly 6 for the Seahawks, so Russell Wilson, it was a grind, but he still ended up with 238 yards and two TDs, as well as uh, 19 rushing yards, those TDs. Surprisingly, not surprisingly, went to Jimmy Graham. Six catches, 27 yards, and two TDs on nine targets. So Jimmy Graham basically posted up and could score easily. And Doug Baldwin was good to see him get back on track with five for 95 on six targets. Paul Richardson had one big play, but that was it. He was playing through an injury. One catch for 43 yards and two targets. It was a bit of a tough game as it usually is against these two teams. And uh, when you look at Wilson, solid, not spectacular. I think this is right about what you expect in a defensive showdown against a division foe. So you were pleased with that if you got it. He was sacked five times in this game. So didn't always get a chance to stand in there and throw down field. That hurt Richardson's and Tyler Lockett's value here for sure on the other side of uh, Patrick Peterson. So that was a mildly disappointing development, but it, in Thomas Rawls, the backfield, you can just forget about it. 10 for 27 rushing here for Rawls, two catches, 12 yards. So still not much going on in this backfield. J.D. McKissick looks like the best player, and, and you look at him, nine 
touches for 46 yards. So that's still not too much that you're getting from that team at that position. On the Cardinals side of things, uh, Adrian Peterson, 21 carries, 29 yards, went right back down to being ineffective, not playing the 49ers in that run defense. And he's worn down from the 37 carries, so not a surprise there against his defense. Larry Fitzgerald, a lot of people have been down on him since the Drew Stanton change at quarterback. He had a solid game in the first matchup, but Fitzgerald really got going here 10 for 113, had 14 targets. And we knew the development on the other side was Richard Sherman going down. Earl Thomas already didn't play for the Seahawks, so that factored a little bit. Fitzgerald was being targeted most of the other parts of the game. What's happened with the Cardinals is they really can't hold the ball much. Drew Stanton's trying to get rid of the ball. They really can't run the ball. So Larry Fitzgerald kind of has to be their outlet receiver, tight end, number one guy, all rolled up in one. And I think that's why it's lined up well for Fitzgerald. This time around with Stanton, I think he is the best option by far, and he's the one guy that he can get it to. So I think it's going to continue there for Larry Fitzgerald in this offense. He's really the only source of offense. So the targets are going to be high, and uh, and that alone – is worth keeping Fitzgerald in your lineup. You probably are looking at him more as a wide receiver three in most weeks, but uh, that's just the uh, way it goes going forward. You'll take that when you thought there was nothing left for Fitz. Our next game, as we go into uh, Sunday afternoon games, we have the Titans rallying. They had a lead, but they had to come back in the fourth quarter again to win 24-20. to Marcus Mariota, the story here was that Mariota's as they hinted that he was going to run more, and he did. Six carries for 51 yards. That supplemented his uh, 264 through the air TD there. And a pick was sacked four times in this game. So it wasn't the easiest game, but you look at the, the receivers, Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews held in check here. DeMarco Murray was the big takeaway here. Still not great production. He's really touchdown dependent, but 14 carries, 42 yards, two scores. Four catches, 30 yards, one score. So he dominated this game, but really didn't have a good game. And that's very frustrating here for people that see Derrick Henry need only 11 carries to get to 52 yards. Looks a lot more effective, but doesn't get the TD love, doesn't get the key touches there in the passing game. So Murray still has a lot of value because they're going to give him the ball a lot, and he's going to have a chance to score a lot in this offense. So that's what you're dependent on a lot with Murray, but he's definitely been a better home performer than away. But it's a good sign that they're still trusting them to uh, lead the backfield that way, Murray, Henry, in that order. And then Murray didn't show up at the injury report at all with the knee that there was a concern last week. So all said, things said and done, if you stuck with Murray, you were rewarded, even though it was a bad matchup and trend, things were trending downward for him. But Mariota, you have to like the running here. That gives him another element that was missing for his value. So this Titans team has a very easy schedule going forward. The Pittsburgh game is going to be kind of hard on Thursday night, but overall Titans have some good opportunities to keep putting up points for your team. On the other side, I did like Andy Dalton as a streamer. He came through 265 and two. This Titans secondary is just a mess. I like Joe Mixon in this game for what he could do in the passing game. Of course, he didn't do much there at all, but had nine carries, 37 yards and a TD. So with no Jeremy Hill, Again, for the season, Mixon is going to be the leader in his backfield. Still not a lot of touches there for Mixon. Only 10 in this game. It got kind of out of hand where they had to pass uh, 35 times with uh, Andy Dalton. So 
AJ Green, good rebound game for him. 5-115 on seven targets, including a long 70-yard TD. No more Jalen Ramsey on the other side. It opened things up, so he's just fine. Brand LaFell, still usable potentially here. He scored in the two recent weeks here. Six for 95 on 10 targets. So really Tyler Croft has kind of uh, faded away, and uh, we thought Josh Malone could have a big role as well. But looking like LaFell is clearly the number two option in this passing game. If you need him and you're hurting their wide receiver three, you can look at matchups to play Brandon LaFell. We move on to our next game, and it's the Browns and the Lions. And uh, you look at this one, and Matthew Stafford, we really liked in this one. It took a while. It wasn't pretty as we expected, but he got to 249 yards and three TDs. Did throw a pick, sacked four times. So pretty ugly early, but he got it going. Got Golden Tate, six for 97, and a touchdown on seven targets. So what we expected, we really liked Eric Ebron to maybe come through in this one. He did. He scored Two catches, 39 yards only, but we liked him because of the potential to score on Cleveland, and that did happen. Theo Riddick had the other receiving touchdown. Amir Abdullah, despite being doghouse there on Monday night, uh, came back here. So we didn't have high hopes for him. He still only had 11 carries, 52 yards, but he did get in the end zone, and that's basically what Abdullah is right now. You're hoping for a touchdown. He's At least he's become the, the back of choice at least in rushing situations near the goal line. So that gives him some value as an RB2. And Riddick, again, PPR still has some value. You look at the three catches, only at four rushes for 35, but his score here. So Riddick still has good PPR value, especially as a flex play in deeper leagues. Tate should be in your lineup pretty much every week. And Marvin Jones, one catch for 22. We thought this could be a bit of a struggle maybe with Jason McCourty on the other side. But uh, Tate is the guy that you trust uh, week in and week out from the Lions. On the Brown side of things, Deshaun Kaiser had a viable, actually, fantasy day with uh, 232 yards and a TD passing through a pick, but also had seven rushes for 57 and a TD. So Kaiser had one of his best games. Maybe wait since uh, way back in week one against Pittsburgh. We haven't seen this kind of production. He did get banged up where Cody Kessler had to come in for a little while. So, but... Well, we've seen those uh, Duke Johnson Jr. and Isaiah Crowell suddenly uh, become factors again. Crowell with a second straight solid game, 90 yards and a touchdown. Duke Johnson had 16 touches, turned them into 88 yards. So both of these guys are back viable, which is good to see. I think set to valve, Kenny Britt, Sammy Coates, these guys just a mixed bag of receivers. Nothing you can really trust there. But these backs, at least with Kaiser playing a little bit better, coming off the bye that you can look at the Browns' backs as uh, more viable options going forward. And the Lions' defense comes through with a touchdown again. The Browns are playing the Jaguars next week. So big, big game ahead for the Jaguars. The Lions uh, get a nice all-around victory. Matthew Stafford is totally in the groove. He's hot. You want to keep him in your lineups going forward. As a reminder, uh, we are giving away one Pro Football Focus Ed subscription per show, per week. Make sure to leave your review of the shit show on iTunes and leave your Twitter handle. And we'll be picking one winner based on their Twitter handle and uh, get them that PFF Edge subscriptions of $39.99 value. And reminder that our regular guest on Thursdays, lineup Thursdays, is Jeff Rockcliffe, the director of Fantasy for Pro Football Focus. We're always glad to have this insight near the end of the week. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, we go to our next game here. It's the Chargers and Jaguars, and kind of a little bit of what we expected. It was a brutal game for both running backs there, so that... Jaguars' run defense has gotten a lot better. 16 for 27 for Melvin Gordon. He got banged up in this one a little bit. Austin Eckler comes in and was a big factor. Five catches, 77 yards, two TDs, as well as 10 rushes for 42 yards. So that was a bit of a twist here. Eckler also did have the fumble late in the game that uh, allowed the Jaguars right back into the game. So, So we'll see what's going forward with Gordon's health and Eckler, if they're going to trust him as much. So... A lot of weird things going on coming off a bye for the Chargers. So just didn't expect Eckler to have such a big role, but they're trying to find some source of offense here. And the backfield did make sense because the Jaguars secondary, and we saw the numbers really go down for Tyrell Williams, two for 49 on five targets, four for 48 on seven targets for Keenan Allen. So they were trying to get somebody involved to make a difference. Eckler was the guy until that fumble Eckler should be owned by all Gordon owners at this point now that the Chargers have returned from bye. You need him at least as a a handcuff, but in some cases I think he still could have standalone value, especially in deeper leagues in a flex PPR type role here for the Chargers if he's going to see this type of looks. It's not going to happen a lot. It's a lot based on the matchup, but they do really like Eckler and they want to get him involved a little bit more. Philip Rivers had those two TDs Deckler, so kind of uh, inflated his day in a bad matchup that we didn't expect much. On the other side, Blake Bortles, it was a rough day. A touchdown and two picks. The touchdown went to Marquise Lee. So Marquise Lee is continuing to be a solid wide receiver three, the clear-cut guy here. Six for 55, 11 targets, team high. Alan Hearns, seven for 70 on nine targets. So he's still usable sometimes, but uh, Lee is still the guy that's consistently there that you would trust in the Jaguars' passing game. With the rushing attack, uh, Leonard Fournette was really bottled up 17 for 33, two catches for 13 yards. So really disappointing coming off a uh, good rest that uh, you thought he could go off on this Chargers D. It did not happen at all. A team that had struggled against the run. He had a thing hurt it here with the fake punt that he had Corey Grant run one play 56 yards and a score. So that really hurt some yardage potential for other Jaguars here in that play. And then uh, really was a grind of a game that uh, the Jaguars offense totally didn't play well passing-wise and it really brought down Fournette. There should be better days soon ahead. And if people fade him here in a DFS, I think next week it could be a good chance to uh, go right back to him with Cleveland as the matchup. We go to our next game. It was a bit of a disappointment because we had the old quarterbacks. We thought it could be a bit of a streaming fest here. Two bad defenses, but the offenses, uh, I guess, became worse in this game. And Josh McCown, Jets, Buccaneers, 262, one TD interception. So in the end, it looked a lot cosmetically better than it was. We really liked Robbie Anderson. He came through with that long touchdown, four for 85, 
and a TD and seven targets. So he's locked in every week almost as a wide receiver three that you can look at. Austin's very Jenkins, solid game, six for 67 on nine targets. So at least those guys came through in the passing game. If you hope for Bilal Powell in a big game, mysteriously not very good for either Bilal Powell or Elijah McGuire against a really, really defense. McGuire was actually more effective with the 12 touches for 58 yards here as a, a backfield option without Matt Forte. The problem was McCown was sacked six times. So very surprising game for the Jets, given how they will. They played against Buffalo, moved the ball, dominated the line of scrimmage. It didn't happen. And this one against a weaker team. You look at the Bucks with Ryan Fitzpatrick, 187, a TD interception. So absolutely nothing there. TD also went to Charles Sims. So Deshaun Jackson got the 10 targets, 6 for 82. Chris Godwin got those 10 targets with uh, Mike Evans out, 5 for 68. But overall, this offense just not looking good still. You'd expect more points to get the victory, but uh, that's about it, you can say. Doug Martin still having a struggle here, 20 carries, 51 yards. So right now, Evans coming back might help some options. Uh, Cameron Brait looking bad here the past few weeks even though there's been a lot of Fitzpatrick so I think it'll get better they do have a a favorable matchup next week against Miami so let's hope the passing game can do a lot better there and uh, take advantage of things that are on the table with Fitzpatrick our next game another kind of a grind defensive effort the Packers needed this victory pretty badly they go in to beat the Bears 23-16 the Bears were actually favored for the first time in a long time since Aaron Rodgers' uh, first year as a starter for the Packers. There was no Rodgers, no Rodgers of far for the first time since 91 in a game against the Bears. Hundley got better here, 212 yards and a touchdown. Not as much running. He looked to throw downfield. It was really tough for Aaron Jones owners because he looked good early, three carries for 12 yards, but he tweaked his knee there and that was it. Then Ty Montgomery and... Jamal Williams took over this backfield, and you knew what Jones could have done here with that potential. With 26 carries there for 121 yards between Williams and Montgomery. So we'll have to see if uh, Jones has to miss time. Williams is definitely going to have a lot more value. That sense, Montgomery's value has just gone up for two straight solid weeks of usage for Montgomery. So keep that in mind. It's really disappointing, again, if you were a Jones owner because... It was there. This game was there for a potential big game. And one little tweak uh, caused that to go off. You look at the passing game. Devontae Adams, if you notice now, he's the guy that scored twice with Hundley in there in recent games. They have good chemistry, 5 for 90 on 8 targets. Jordy Nelson, still the concern here. 4 targets only, 3 for 20. There, Randall Cobb, 3 for 52. So it looks like a lot of Adams and Cobb. And Nelson has got to be a bit frustrating for him and his uh, fancy owners where there's not much connection with Hundley and Nelson when you knew how great it was between Hundley and Rodgers. So very, very disappointing there, Nelson, especially when the passing game gets better. At some point, I think Nelson can do some things, but uh, for now... You're hoping that uh, some things will uh, turn around here with Hundley and throwing it to him. And I think with each start, I think it's going to improve the chances of getting the ball to him. On the other side, Mitchell Trubisky, 297 yards and a TD. Pretty good game here coming off a bye. Dontrell Inman, you have to look at him now. 
recently acquired uh, from the Chargers, went to work here, eight targets, caught six for 88. So definitely in play here as the number one. It was Josh Bellamy with a touchdown, two for 57 in the score. But Inman clearly was planted right there as the number one. Jordan Howard owners and people who played him in DFS were extremely disappointed. This looked like a huge, huge spot for him at his value, 15 for 54. So the game flow, yeah, it wasn't totally out of hand. I don't, it's weird that they stopped going to Howard or Terry Cohen. They somehow, for some reason, went with Benny Cunningham, 3 for 32, and then that lost fumble there at the goal line that uh, created a touchback and pretty much gave the Packers a victory here. So... Still head-scratching how much they go away from Howard and Cohen, given the way they started the season for sure. Our next game is the uh, Saints and Bills, and really this is just the Saints because it was 47-10. to They were all over the Bills. Now, you'd expect with a score like that, Drew Brees would have had a monster game, but this is 2017 where Drew Brees is just a facilitator. He's a distributor. He's a little point guard. 184 yards passing, no TDs, no TDs. You just don't see that. He did have a rushing TD, but uh, you're still looking for a lot more in a game like this. At least you've had Michael Thomas. Really, this game was pretty simple. They just threw to Michael Thomas, ran Mark Ingram, uh, and ran Alvin Kamara. That was pretty much the game plan for the Saints, and they got away with it because they were so dominant defensively. So Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, what can you say? 21 carries, 131 yards, 3 TDs for Ingram. Kamara goes 12 for 106 in a TD. He goes 5 catches for 32 yards. These two guys are just the lifeblood of the Saints offense right now. So I think you just have to take it, and it's really hard to look at playing Drew Brees now because it's just coming too easily. The running game and defense, they had 298 yards rushing in this game. When you run for that much, and uh, Trey Edmonds, by the way, came off the bench in garbage time, also scored a rushing touchdown, 9 for 48, 6 TDs on the ground. Just incredible performance by the Saints in the rushing attack. But I think you just saw the simplification here, that it's going to be a lot of running, a little bit of Michael Thomas who had 10 targets in the game, 9 catches. But everything else is kind of a – the Saints are too good for Drew Brees' own good at this point. And uh, – I think you'll change, see that change a little bit. There's some games coming up where it could be higher scoring here in the Rams and all that. So keep in mind, it's not always going to be the case. It's a good time if there's still trade, if it's a sell low on Breeze, be careful of doing that because I think he could have a big half finish here with uh, some of the tougher games that are coming up. He's going to have to throw and put it up. Remember, they've got the Falcons a couple times and the Panthers in the Dome. So those type of games, Breeze is going to get going. So don't be too, too disheartened. He still came through with a rushing TD for you, but I think the big game still could be coming, and uh, keep that in mind if you're a Breeze owner. Now for the Bills, you know things were bad when uh, Nathan Peterman was the more effective quarterback in garbage time. Seven, nine, 79 yards passing. And a TD, so really came in against a shell of a defense. Threw a touchdown to Nick O'Leary. Nick O'Leary was coming well off the bench as well. So Calvin Benjamin, 3 for 42 in his debut. That was the leading receiver. That tells you a lot there. Then LaShawn McCoy, the game got out of hand. Then he couldn't use McCoy. 8 for 49, rushing, 3 for 11 receiving. So only 60 yards for McCoy. 
when you thought he would get going after that uh, Jets debacle, but that did not happen. And the Bills have kind of shown their true colors as a limited offense and a uh, really uh, shaky defense. And uh, it's hard to trust a lot of things in Buffalo at the moment. Our next game, this was a highly disappointing affair if you were owners of Steelers players. Because 20-17, to 17, sure, the Steelers won. Ben Roethlisberger, we recommended him as a decent road play. Still very low there with the ceiling, 236 yards and it, two TDs and an interception. So overall, a solid fantasy day, but uh, you didn't expect him to be as good as Jacoby Brissett. And this one was 222, two TDs and an interception on the other side. So I don't know what got in the Colts. They must have been playing other minds, maybe with Chuck Pagano's job here line, but you look at Le'Veon Bell, he came through, but it was not what you expected. 31 touches for 112 yards, so you expected with that kind of volume a lot more against this uh, Colts defense, but they just kind of played over their heads. Antonio Brown was a big disappointment. He lit up the Colts last year for three TDs on Thanksgiving, totally feasted. This time, three for 47 on seven targets. There missed a pass that was downfield that could have had a big play, could have Pushed his day close to 100, but Juju Smith-Schuster was very close to 100. Five catches on seven targets for 97 and a score. So, really odd game where Juju Smith-Schuster takes control of the best fantasy play of the bunch. Bell just expected so much. He expected Bell and Brown to find the end zone at least once each in this one. Did not happen. It was Vance McDonald with the other score. So, I think this was the most disappointing performance, even in a victory where there were some positive results. For Steelers, what Bell and Brown did. Remember, these are the guys that the people are taking number two, number three overall. They're supposed to come through in games like this. So you were very disappointed there for sure. I think it'll get better as we go forward. The Titans matchup should be a good rebound spot for both Brown and Bell. But again, I think the Colts just overachieved. Steelers are not the same team on the road. They are at home against the Titans next week on Thursday night. When you look at... Uh, the Colts, big plays from Jacoby Brissett. They didn't go to T.Y. Hill, and he was bottled up two for 23. Joe Hayden was hurt on the other side. It was Dante Moncrief with the bomb, 60-yard TD. Chester Rogers with the bomb, 61 and a TD. 6-104, caught all of his targets. Chester Rogers out of nowhere in this one. So Moncrief and Rogers still up and down. Marlon Mack, people had high expectations for him, really didn't do much even in uh, garbage time here because the game was close. They didn't really go there. There's When the game's close, they're not going to go to Mac, and the, the game flow really hurt Mac in a weird way. He had only nine touches for 26 yards. Jack Doyle, non-factor as well. Basically, the Steelers gave up those two big plays to the Colts, and that was it. Their defense dominated the rest of the game. Frank Gore was still involved heavily, 18 touches for 61 yards. So disappointing for Mac owner, Doyle owner, Hilton owner, when they see those numbers, just a very misleading game overall when you look at the final score in this one. For fantasy, I think chalking that up to one team not showing up, taking another team for granted, the other team playing over its head. We go to the next game. It's the Vikings and Redskins to close out the early games here. And with the Vikings, what can you say? Case Keenum in a tough matchup, looked like on paper, came out firing at 188 yards and three TDs there at halftime. And it was actually a slower second half. He had two picks and only one TD after halftime, which 
which is weird because they were playing with the lead and the control. But overall, you can't really complain with that. He's distributing. Latavius Murray did have the rushing touchdown over Jarek McKinnon. So kind of toggles back between these guys back and forth in terms of who's effective. I think Murray, given the Redskins' weakness against power runners, uh, Murray had the bigger game here. Jerick McKinnon only 12 touches for 47 yards, well, 17 for 68 and a TD for Murray there. The Vikings were just so good in the red zone in this one. It was Jerry Wright and David Morgan, the second scoring. So very disappointing there when you wanted Kyle Rudolph. Five for 37, not terrible on seven targets in a PPR. But um, when you look at this, uh, in a game like this, you expected Rudolph to be more effective, but it was too easy to go to Adam Thielen. Eight for, catches, 166 yards on 12 targets for a TD second straight game he scored after not scoring before then. And Stefan Diggs looking healthy now fully with that bye, four for 78 and a TD. He was effective, left some more on the table, but against Josh Norman, you'll take that in a tough matchup for sure. So when you look at the Vikings overall, their offense is really playing well. I don't think you want Teddy Bridgewater in there, and I wrote that. I, I don't think you can go away from Case Keenum right now if you're the Vikings. He's just facilitating everything that's around him. He's playing well. Went on the road and won. So I think as long as he's in there, Adam Thielen is going to be a beast, and Stephon Diggs is going to have a bigger upside as well. On the Redskins' side, I mean, just brutal for the rushing attack again. Rob Kelly got hurt. Samaj Pirine showed some signs of life here with the 10 touches for 60 yards. But uh, Chris Thompson, he had 12 touches for 67 yards. So it's still not looking great for this backfield. Thompson's definitely cooled down considerably. We knew this one might happen as they have the offensive line injuries now. Maurice Harris was the guy who scored on a great play, one-handed catch there from Kirk Cousins, but that was the only touchdown for Cousins. 327-1-1, so disappointing overall for Cousins passing, but he did have two rushing touchdowns on four carries for five yards. So Cousins uh, randomly redeemed his day with that uh, production there. So Cousins got it done for you. You'll take it any way you can get it. Vernon Davis, 7 for 76 on 11 targets with no Jordan Reed, so solid there. And Jameis Crowder for 4 for 76 on 11 targets, his best PPR game in a while here, coming back from the hamstring injury. So really hard to trust any specific receiver, but Vernon Davis looks like the guy right now that as long as uh, you have no Jordan Reed, Cousins is going to be in the mix throwing to him. But, hey, you'll take him anywhere you can get him, and Cousins rushing is fine with that. Make sure you're checking out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Network, whether it's NFL or NBA, whatever city you live in. We've got you covered with uh, a podcast every day of the week. It's uh, getting your own personal beat report to uh, get every insight on your team, whether it's the uh, Vikings or Redskins or Steelers or Colts. We've got you covered on Lockdown Network. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Now, we go to the late games here with the Rams all over the Texans, 33-7. And the story here is Jared Goff, we expected him to have a big game. He did not disappoint. 355 yards, three TDs. Robert Woods, another monstrous game. What can you say? If you started him the last two weeks, you've been very happy. Eight for 171 and two TDs on 10 targets. Sammy Watkins also got in the end zone again for second straight week. Two for 41. But Woods is just being like a true number one here. We thought he was a possession guy, but he's making big play after big play for this team. Getting downfield after the catch. So Woods should be in lineups every week. Goff is getting close to that status. And then the matchups are going to get harder. But Woods for sure is in there. Todd Gurley expected more. He had 11 carries, 68 Six carries, 60 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but still you'll take that any day. 136 yards from scrimmage. This is just looking like the Rams of old, where Gurley is kind of like the Marshall Falk, and Jared Goff is the Kurt Warner, and Robert Woods is the Isaac Bruce, and you'll get occasionally uh, Sammy Watkins as the Torrey Holt here, and Cooper Cup is the Isaac here. Keem, six for 47 on seven targets for Cup. So he's still a well third in the pecking order here. Woods is like the guy that's in every week. Watkins, more matchup base. Cup, I think you have to go away from. The, that was early in the season when Goff had to look in the slot, go security blanket, but now he's super confident to go all over the field. So that's this Rams offense, just a machine that you want a part of almost every week in DFS and in a year long. On the other side of the Texans, DeAndre Hopkins, kind of like the Larry Fitzgerald here, where he's still going to get his 14 targets same as Fitzgerald got in the game against the Seahawks. 7 for 111 here for uh, Hopkins. And uh, when you look at uh, what Hopkins has done with Tom Savage, he scored in the first game, went over 100, so he's still the playable guy. Will Fuller still absolutely not playable. 2 for 15. It was Bruce Ellington with a touchdown. Lamar Miller still trying to get going, but it's hard. I think you're, you're going to see a ceiling like this. 12 touches, 74 yards there for Miller. So, this offense really Hopkins and nothing right now for the Texans and absolutely nothing you can look at defensively for this team. Now we go to our next game and it was the uh, Dallas Cowboys losing at Atlanta 27-7 to and people are going to immediately point as the Ezekiel Elliott absence but actually when you got the opportunities there Alfred Morris and Rod Smith looked pretty good. They just couldn't run the ball because they were getting beat up and with the Dak Prescott being sacked eight times. Sixth of them came from Adrian Claiborne, just a situational pass rusher for the Falcons. Tyron Smith, back in growing issues, did not play in this game. So that was a big, big loss there injury-wise in this game. He usually plays, he grinds through, but it was just too difficult with multiple injuries, and he didn't even make the trip there. And, and boy, it was just a trip fest for Chaz Green and Byron Bell trying to stop Claiborne and that really destroyed Prescott we thought it would be a great game for him but Jason Witten was his best target he had to go underneath they had to go heavy tight ends just to run the ball and 7 for 59 caught all of his targets Des Bryant still disappointing played through the injuries with the knee and ankle but only four catches for 39 yards and eight targets so very disappointing game for Des from that perspective and the passing game completely dragged down here after it played so well against the Chiefs you just saw the difference with no Smith there what it can do and I think he'll come back 
next week for that Eagles game. They need him. I think without him, it's there's not much confidence in this Cowboys offense if he can't be in that game. Remember, the Eagles game is at home and it's on Sunday night, so Cowboys typically play better in those situations. They just need Smith back badly where he can trust Prescott and the running game going forward. The Falcons side, still not pretty for Matt Ryan. He can't seem to shake off that one turnover game, but 215 yards, two TDs, so not spectacular, not terrible, somewhere in between. So still not living up to QB1 consistently the way you want, but you'll take it. Austin Hooper, 6 for 49 and a TD here for the Falcons. He had a big play, rewarded with the touchdown uh, one play later there. So Hooper's still a big part of this offense. Mohamed Sanu, very disappointing, 3 for 29 on five targets. Julio Jones, even more disappointing, 6 catches, 57 yards, and 8 targets. I don't know if there's things right with him. He's a leg, ankle issue. Didn't practice a couple days this week. Still played. Wasn't technically there on the injury report with the designation. But you wonder, have to wonder about Jones' limitation. They went more to Taylor Gabriel downfield in this one. Three for 58 for Gabriel there. And then the big story is that Devonta Freeman, it looks like he's going to have to miss some time here. Came in with a knee injury. Two rushes for three yards before he got hurt. This backfield totally went over to Tevin Coleman and 20 carries, 83 yards, and a TD as well as one catch for five yards. Teron Ward, by the way, is the guy that uh, was the next man up to compliment Coleman with uh, Freeman up. Nine for 23. Didn't look all that great in this one. So Coleman owners will be very happy to see what uh, Tevin can do here without Freeman potentially going forward. Tough, tough blow for Freeman owners for sure to see their guy go down, especially when he's been struggling. You thought this was a good chance for volume, and it turns out, given what Coleman did, that it would have been a good spot for Freeman to get going in this one. But uh, going forward, Coleman is going to be a big, big part of this offense, especially if Jones is banged up as well as uh, Freeman not being in there for Atlanta. Our next game, this was a 49ers win, 31-21. Man, you you thought the 49ers were a shell of a defense. The Giants, even the little gun for you guys healthy out there, really struggled in this one. C.J. Beathard just looked like Tom Brady in this one for a lot of it. 288 yards, two TDs. They have a pick, but also five rushes, 15 yards, and a TD. So Beathard getting it done on the ground again, distributing pretty well with no uh, Pierre Garçon, just no George Kittle. Didn't matter. Marquise Goodwin, one catch, 83 yards on two targets for a long TD. Garrett Selleck, he was the recommended sleeper because of the Giants giving up a tight end touchdown every game. He goes long here, 47-yard TD with no Kittle, four for 67 and a TD. So good play design, realizing the weaknesses of the Giants' defense right now, giving up big plays, and Goodwin and Selleck took advantage of that nicely and Goodwin added a one rush for 18 yards as well. So if you went deep and play those guys, you were rewarded. It feels good when you do that. Carlos Hyde, solid game again, 19 carries, 19 touches for 104 yards. So you'll take that. Matt Breida popped up again with a run there at the end, 9 for 55 and a touchdown here. So Breida back in the mix again. We hear Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be starting after the week 12 by so good ending here for Beathard to get distributed here this offense really hummed and the Giants just completely a horrid lack of effort on the other side giving up these big plays so pretty much going forward the Chiefs have the Giants next at Arrowhead 
anything you can get against the Giants, big play guys, you're going to put them in. So Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill should just completely destroy the Giants next week, given their skill sets versus Goodwin and Selleck, for sure. When you look at the uh, Giants side of things, 273-2 and two for Eli Manning. So came through with the streaming. You knew there would be some garbage time and throwing time against his depleted defense. Evan Ingram, every week start here, 6 for 31 and a touchdown on 9 targets. Sterling Shepard is becoming a solid wide receiver 3. 11 catches on 13 targets for 142 yards. Roger Lewis had the other touchdown. Unfortunately, Shepard couldn't get in the end zone. But Ingram and Shepard in garbage time with the way that things are going for the uh, Giants defense. These guys are going to be in the mix. And Orleans Darqua, another solid game. 16 touches for 88 yards. And a game that got out of hand still was productive. So really Darqua, Shepard, and Ingram in, in leagues are definitely viable, playable because of how bad the Giants are on the other side in the Chiefs game is a little bit tougher than the 49ers but uh, I still think you like those three players going forward our final game was Sunday night football 41-16 it was the uh, Patriots all over the Broncos and in this one it was uh, Tom Brady didn't have to do much they scored on special teams the kickoff return by Deion Lewis. So if you had Deion Lewis, it was a great game for you because he had the uh, kickoff return TD. He also had a rushing TD on 14 for 55. Here as well in a tough matchup, you were just over the moon on this when you knew it was going to be a lot of throwing to the backs. That did happen with uh, Rex Burke at 3 for 27, had the first passing TD there from uh, Brady. Also had 10 carries for 36, so not bad. Then James White in the end also found the end zone here. So... Patriots backs, if you took any part of them, you had some pleasing results here. When you look at White, had the worst game. We had still 18 yards and a TD here. So James White really went downhill with the Burkhead seeing a bigger role. No Mike Gillisley at all. So that's one more factor out of the backfield. So a lot of Lewis, a lot of Burkhead. White was uh, taking a back seat here. Brandon Bolden came in late to clean things up with the Gillisley inactive, but... Uh, this backfield still very hard to predict and all that. I mean, you're not going to get a TD from all three backs in most games, but Lewis still a big factor above all else. The one guy you can trust the most with his usage going forward. Burkhead could see a bit more, but remember, they could always go back to James White. Or it could be not backs at all throwing around the park. So really tr- hard to trust there with the Patriots. Tom Brady ends up with 266 and 3. Here, Rob Gronkowski, you were disappointed if you had him. Four for 74. Still solid for most mortal tight ends, but you expect a lot more against this defense that was giving a lot. Instead, Dwayne Allen had the touchdown. Martellus Bennett also stole some in his first game back with the Patriots. Three for 38 there. So you saw some of Gronk's production go to the other tight ends in this one as clearly the Broncos were focused on stopping Gronk. He still had four for 74. Brandon Cook's in a tough matchup outside. 11 targets. Stay in the game through garbage time with Brian Hoyer. 6 for 74. So not the big plays we're expecting, but a solid uh, PPR game there for Cooks for sure without uh, Chris Hogan in there with the shoulder injury. On the other side of things, uh, Brock Osweiler at least got the ball to Emmanuel Sanders a lot. 6 for 137 and 11 targets for Sanders. Demarius Thomas found the end zone again. Second straight week with Osweiler. So that's a good sign for both of these guys. That Osweiler's not great, but he's getting the ball in these guys' hands. 
Thomas, five for 44 and eight targets, not as good. But uh, in the end, the TD got him closer to uh, Sanders' production in standard leagues. Uh, Sanders, the better guy here in uh, PPR leagues. But Sanders and Thomas, that's at least what Osweiler is getting done here. Osweiler himself, not worth a 222, 221 and a TD and an interception that won to Thomas. But at least he's getting the ball downfield. The Patriots' defense still having a little trouble holding the points down, but uh, still giving up some good uh, passing yardage to receivers like Sanders and Thomas. So that's a good sign, at least there going forward with the Broncos, that those guys are going to be involved. And uh, the volume and game flow is going to go in their favor. C.J. Anderson had some good moments, but still only 10 for 54 here. The game got too far out of hand where they could uh, stick with the running game. And uh, Jamal Charles and Devontae Booker are still looking way behind him in the pecking order, but... When things get out of hand, it's going to be a split of uh, Charles and Booker. They both came in for eight touches each here in this one. So it's a it's a little uh, frustrating for sure for the Broncos, but at least the from the fantasy perspective, you have the receivers back in play for them for sure. So there you have it. There is your uh, roundup Monday, looking at everything we saw on the field Thursday and Sunday of week 10 of the NFL schedule. And please subscribe on uh, iTunes to get this podcast delivered to you four days a week. And remember, our new home is uh, on the Megaphone platform on Panoply. We're happy to be there. And check out all the great shows on the Locked On Network. Uh, for Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. We'll see you tomorrow for Waiver Wire Advice for Pickup Tuesday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.